1: Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Blue Cross Blue Shield Healthcare Plan of Georgia, Inc.
4: To a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm joined by J.P. Mason, looking very festive. I normally ask you about your jersey over your shoulder. What's going on with this? Is that a onesie?
0: <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's cut off at the bottom. It's a, a simple Christmas jumper, but uh, I just I thought it would be too warm. Uh, my temperature's all over the place at the moment after a, a booster yesterday, so... I didn't want to put that jumper on and uh, melt. I'm already kind of melting as we speak here. So um, yeah, but I just thought uh, day before Christmas Eve, uh, instead of a football top, I would uh, display a a Celtic FC Christmas jumper. That's By the way, this is not product placement. I have uh, this was a gift to me last year. I'm, I'm, uh, there's no there's no skin in this game for from from Celtic for for me.
4: Yes, the rumours uh, that we are financed by the club are uh, unfounded. And you're talking about temperature. I'm sitting here with a jacket on. Not a leather one from Matalan, I've got to say, but it yeah. is a jacket nonetheless. Uh, we were talking last night about Christmas jerseys, actually, uh, because obviously we wanted to talk about everything except for the for the performance. And I think Axel will probably launch one next year at Christmas time. Got a few ideas for that. Uh, but it led us down the road to talking about uh, the, the fact that Enrico Anone used to have to wear Celtic Superstore gloves uh, rather than sponsored gloves back in the day. And uh, he responded to that. I've seen that he responded to one of your programme uh, tweets as well. JP, there is a point to this, because one of your tweets last week was your first cup final as a Celtic supporter, 1994, yeah. League yeah. Cup final or the Coca-Cola Cup final against Wraith Rovers. We all know what happened there. And you came out and said, um, you made a comment around, you know, you can't take any cup final for granted. Just look at your first... Cup final. Let's start off with the positives because you've not had a chance to talk about it yet and then we'll move on to the St Mirren game and everything yeah. that entails. Talk to me about your, your weekend, the Cup final weekend, JP.
0: Well, no, I know, obviously I was uh, immensely looking forward to getting back to Hamden. We hadn't been there in a Cup final. No one had been there in a Cup final since uh, December 2019. Um, so that that in itself was 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 exciting. Definitely definitely a bit nervous going into it there was no two ways about that obviously when you see Kyogo Furuhashi's name in the starting lineup, you maybe uh, sort of perk up a little bit because you know what you can do and well he went and did it didn't he so um, uh, that that was I'd say it's up there with one of my favourite cup final experiences and because it's something that we've been denied for so long um, you know I just it was it was it was kind of like I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a big experimenter on, with drugs, but I, I, I've never taken hallucinogenic drugs. But um, I to say that 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 was kind of up there and kind of like it was like dream stuff, you know, like when when actually equalised so quickly after the, the Hibs opener, which you know, from where I was at the other end of the ground, I didn't even, I, I was sort of questioning whether it had gone over the line because mm-hmm. it didn't. I didn't see the net ripple. I didn't, I couldn't see what happened. There was no replays, despite Hamden's new fancy screens there was no um replay of the of the goal so um i was just sort of left to go okay well it was a goal then um obviously since seen it and yeah very much a goal but um to get the equalizer so quickly and with such quality the touch and the, the finish is just uh, sublime um and then you know losing turnbull was a was a blow beton came on and i've been very critical of near beton in this uh in this bulletin over the last year or so, because it must be about a year now since I've been on and um, started deep in the in midst of lockdown. But I thought Bton played well, you know, um, really contributed to the game and you know, earned his medal, um, which is something I don't think near Beaton has really ever done. And again, I've, I've talked about that as well, you know, where you've got these guys that have been on the periphery of things and never actually. Properly been like, well, I've I've contributed to that cup final, um, so yeah. And then the, the second goal was just a thing of absolute art, you know. Um, I think it's already been painted <laughs> by some of the the Celtic um, canvas artists, um, and you know you see the difference. The the quick thinking of Rogic with the free kick. The mm-hmm. the, the, the I mean, you you touched on it in the post match, and and since you know the the the, the fast thinking and the nonchalance as well you know mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was arrogance but nonchalance of, of being able to finish over your shoulder like that um, was just amazing and you know you saw what it meant to him and uh, you know he obviously said he was jumping at the bit to contribute to the team and play even though he probably wasn't 100% so yeah just the atmosphere at the end celebrating the, the songs seeing Posta Coglu with the trophy Uh, You know, we've come so far in such a short space of time, Um, you know, and I think Amy touched on it on Monday, just saying, didn't you know if we would see us winning a trophy again for maybe a while, you know, just with the extent of the rebuild. So um, to have it so soon um, and obviously being uh, cognizant of the fact that um, restrictions were probably coming um, and again, I think that made the this the the occasion a bit more special because you're just like, I'm going to enjoy every second of this because I don't know when <laughs> the, we'll be back. I mean, God, I really hope it's it soon. But yeah, I think that was a big a big factor in the in the enjoyment of it as well. Um, and yeah, I, I add it to the seven other uh, or six other league cups I've seen us win and four Scottish cups in my lifetime which isn't you know people say oh we are spoiled or it was just another trophy to celtic all of those are hugely important to me and special to me and have memories and the defeats have been you know brutal you know there there was the lovencrane's uh <laughs> scottish cup final was was horrendous it took me a long time to get over that one and uh, the rod wallace one when uh, in mm-hmm. 19 uh, nine, I think it was. Um, that was a tough one as well. I went home that day and didn't speak to my family. Like I had relatives up from England and just walked into my house and they were all like, "Hey, John Paul," and I just straight up to my bedroom, door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just, uh, and just uh, and weeping into my pillow. So yeah, the experience, the lows makes the the, the highs so much uh, better. So um, yeah, that was it. Was a it was a great day to be a Celtic fan on, on Sunday.
4: Yeah, it was, uh, hence the title of today's show. Um, one of the other ones that I felt was tough to take was Kilmarnock, 1-0 League Cup final. Mm. Uh, just, you know, you were looking at that, and again, it was one of the ones where we had enough in terms of personnel to win that game comfortably, and we just didn't. and We weren't mm. at the races that day. It was very disappointing. But as you say, that often galvanises us. What doesn't galvanise us is a performance like last night. So Richie Rich comes in on YouTube, welcome to the show, Highs and lows, lol. Well, the highs are things like uh, that cup final. What I'm talking about, the cup final last weekend. And it puts us all there. It really does put us all there. And everybody's sharing the Ange videos and the brilliant images. I mean, you spoke about the Kyogo goals. The iconic images of him with the smoke behind him as he's celebrating the goal. uh, Laura was talking about the vintage kind of Italian football of the 1990s with the, uh, all the smoke and all that around about the pitches. And it did bring back that kind of memory. So you see that, you see the images of Logic and Juranovic running up to Ange and it's 1888. And we're all, you know, we're all sharing everything, loving every bit of content we can get. People are digging out old interviews of Ange and overlaying them on different bits of footage. It's brilliant. And then last night happens and it brings us right back down to earth with a smash. Yeah. Um I always feel on Axon, JP, it's not always easy, of course, to try after the post-match to keep my emotions and, and kind of like in check. Mm-hmm. And so after the cup final, absolutely delighted. I mean, just watch back the Scottish Cup final from last season, the quadruple-treble one anyway, uh, where we've done the watch-along. So you, you actually see our reaction from the penalties and we're going wild, you know, and the emotions are so high. And then you're expected to then analyse the game after that. And it's not always easy. So after Mm. the the cup final win against Hibbs, I was delighted because it was just a sublime performance by Kyogo, our talisman. I know that's becoming a cliche. But then last night, by the same token, after the game, I didn't want it to be completely the other side of the coin. I Mm. didn't want it to be, this is a disaster. This is a crisis. Broken crests on the back page of the papers and all that Mm. kind of stuff. But it is definitely a high and uh, a low, a bit of a crushing low last night when we go out and we see a similar type of performance that we've seen before on the Ranch Coglu. So the big questions uh, are being asked again around what do we do at 60, 70 minutes when a team as well organised, as well drilled as Livy or St Mirren um, basically put two big walls in front of us and we can't get through them and we don't have that creativity, that guile to get through them. Now, last night, there were circumstances such that our front three, JP, uh, Mikey Johnson, Abada and Muffet, our first choice, if everybody's fit, 100% fit, I would argue is Jota, Kyogo and Forrest, perhaps on the Mm -hmm. right. Oh, yeah. So, and I'm not ripping any of them individually, but they're dropping standard from what I would consider the first choice to the backup players who were playing last night. That's a stark difference. And and it's the same all across the park. Is that the biggest issue? Once a few players are out through injury or suspension,
0: I think I don't think anybody was in any doubt that we, that was <clears throat> there was maybe another one of these games, you know, in the in the post, you know, because we we're so threadbare. And you know, I, I was up at Ross County last Wednesday, and you know, we took it to the to the very you know the wire before we just um, that a siren pass
4: again. It's always it's always at this time of the
0: day on a Thursday.
4: It's, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Donut, I don't it's
0: a donut run. It's a donut run. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just saying about last Wednesday. We we obviously went to the last minute and we got that winner. And you know, there's there's things about that that win last Wednesday that that worry me going forward if we're not to have fans in the stadium because so many of the players spoke after that game last Wednesday and said we had to get a win here. We had to do everything we could to get a win here because we were seeing a full stand behind the goals and another half stand to the to the side full of fans who've travelled all the way up. You know, they're giving us their backing. And, you know, um, Joe Hart, I think, said it. You know, Ralston probably said it. Even the manager probably said it. And you do ask yourself, and I know I've said this before, but you do ask yourself if there was an empty stadium last Wednesday, do we... Do we get that last-minute winner? Do, do, does Anthony Ralston have that extra few inches in his in his leap to get on the, in the end of it? Because he knows what's coming if he gets that. He's running into the fans. It's bedlam. It obviously was. Right now, you could also say last night, there was a lot of the fans there last night, but I went down to try and get a ticket last night. You know, I just was sitting in the house and I thought, we're not going to be at a game for a while. I live in the west of Glasgow. Getting to Paisley is not a hardship. You know, it's not as if I was travelling to Aberdeen or Dingwall or anything like that. I just thought, I'll get the train to Paisley. I'll chance my arm and see what happens. So I went down and as soon as I arrived at the ground, you know, I saw many, many um, fans with money in the air, which is obviously never a good sign if you're looking for a ticket. And the weather was horrible. It was cold. Um, There was just this sort of, Foreboding in the atmosphere about what was what was coming, and then I, saw, I obviously I saw the lineup, and I was like, oh, and I saw a few people saying, are we going easy in Saint Mirren here because of the fact that they've got players missing or whatever? And uh, I just had a I just had a bad feeling that maybe last night was was going to be that sort of um, banana skin. And I know we hit them with you know so much shots and the, the possession we had them else, but like you said, we didn't have anything. To change it at 60, 70 minutes, there was nothing there on the no. bench. There was no, it just it showed the this sort of uh, the, the nature of, of of the squad and how how short we are. I mean, like you said, you know Moffat, Johnston, and Abada, Abada, who has not been you know convincing anybody for quite some time now in his normal position. So he's in his he's in an unnatural position in the middle, but with a guy who's been playing in the in the, in the colts and Mikey johnson again who is fast becoming you know persona non grata almost i mean some of the things i was reading on twitter i mean uh, i i don't get why people feel the need to broadcast such negativity on twitter about a specific individual it just uh, borderline is borderline kind of shady behavior for me mm. i just i, I I don't know if Mikey Johnson's on Twitter. For his good, uh, for his sake, I would hope he's not because he was, he's was he been getting it since last night. It's just been all on him and I, I think it's really unfair. He, yeah, he didn't have the greatest of games, but I don't think you could label the whole team as having had a good game. Um, so, um, And I know he's been about for ages and everyone's expecting him. Like, oh, well, you know, he have been about for a while. You should be able to come in and produce the goods, but produce the goods when you've not got a striker, <laughs> a recognised striker next to you to, to set up. And, you know, the Callum McGregor chance, the, the Abada, you know, does some, somebody else get an end to that? Somebody that's, you know, a bit more wily yeah. um, and a bit more used to playing in that position, possibly. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not... I, I, I went down to St Mirren before to try and get a ticket and came away watching the start of the first half on my phone, which I hate. And it ended up nil nil that day as well. Like the last time I tried to go down there, so St. Mirren has always been an awkward place to go. And these guys that we were playing, yes, there was you know a mixed bag of youth and and guys that have been brought back from loan and everything else. But that surely galvanised them, you know, to to, to go, for, you know, to really put in the shift that they did. I mean, they, they were they were all playing out of their skin. Clearly, playing for the manager, he'd used that as a as a kind of right. You know we're we up against it here. We wanted a game called off. We couldn't get it. In much the same way as I didn't see the Dundee United Rangers game at the weekend, but I mean it took them to the seventy first minute against a fragmented Dundee United side and a, and a penalty. And obviously, by all accounts, it was a penalty. And there's no, I know it's, it's a joke. You know the whole Rangers penalty thing, but you know it. It they were they were nineteen minutes away from having the exact same result as we did last night at home, mm-hmm. um, with a fairly strong side you know like with most of their um players available so um i'm sure someone will probably say that they didn't have their players available but i mean from what i could see it was a it was a reasonably strong side against what was a weakened dundee united side so a dundee united side that we took apart at Tannadice a week before or two weeks before <laughs> and, and and it was a stronger than the united side as well so these things are all up and down i i, I was obviously disappointed last night but i wasn't I, I, there, was, there was no tile in my hand ready to throw into the ring. So,
4: no, uh. I, I'm exactly the same, JP. And, you know, I'm going to get as many of the, the viewers involved in this discussion as possible. Graham Webster reckons it's been coming. Um, mm. I think there's certainly been games like the Ross County one where, you know, we definitely scraped through. We scraped a 2-1. Um, you know Saint Johnston in the semi-final one 0 We come back against Tibbs to win two one. So the games have been tight, absolutely. But in amongst that, you've had like the Dundee United performance, which was tremendous. It was sublime, and uh, you know the creative players um, were able to be creative. Last night it was very difficult. I want to start off with a discussion around Mikey Johnson. So anybody who is uh, commenting on the the video, wherever you're watching it, tell me your thoughts on Mikey because.
2: Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data. Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com internet for details.
1: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. He
4: became the, the, uh, the kind of subject or the focus of a lot of fans. Higher right? Um, I don't like seeing it. I'm like yourself, JP. You've got to call it as you see it. I thought yesterday, last night, Mikey Johnson looked good in the first half. I mean, I I don't think anyone can take that away. He looked as though there was an immediate city's game. He wanted to take on uh, the right back. He was taking players on um, at will. He got a couple of shots in. What I would say, though, is when you've got a player of the quality of Jota, who's crossing in something like a dozen balls a half, and very rarely is anybody getting on the end of them. So it would be a little bit unfair to criticise Johnson for that, because I just don't think we have anybody in the middle to get on the end of balls. Otherwise, you know, the game, the two games against Livingston, 80 crosses over the two games, zero goals. That proves the point. Uh, last night, again, you could have been crossing that ball into the box all night long, JP. No one's going to get on the end of the ball. And this was my frustration. So then you look at Mikey and you say, well, he's played 75 games for Celtic. He's 22. He should be able to work out what's his contingency here. That's not working. What's plan B? Because it doesn't always fall down to the manager. You've got to work it out as a player. He's not a kid anymore. You know, he's the same age as Tony Ralston. He's, he's no longer a kid. He's the same age as Jota. So you've got to look at the fact that he's got plenty of experience now. And I would expect more from him over the 90. Um Robert reckons he was good for ten minutes only. I, I, again, I watch the game and I take notes and I try as best as I can to give a balanced view on it. I felt he played okay in the first half. I certainly hmm. didn't have many concerns. I had a wee bit more concern about Moffat on right. Exactly. He, you know, I thought, and I wasn't going to criticise him. He's making his first start. He's he's a young, he's a teenager, but he was struggling to get by his man. At least Johnston was was creating an op- an opening yes. by getting by his man.
0: Which is why all the guns were trained, or the or the guns have been trained on Johnston, because nobody really would be as harsh as to start putting out tweets going Moffat's not good enough, get him out, you know. Don't want to ever see him in a Celtic shirt again. <laughs> what well, after his first start, that would be the most harsh thing ever, I think. Um, so because he he gets a free pass, um, a badder. I mean I I I don't think Abada was, was, was to be uh free of criticism last night, you know. But but again, maybe he is because he he's getting played out of position. And so Johnston's the only one that's played in his position in the for in the front three. So therefore everybody's like, Well, you were in your right position. You've been here for X amount of time, you know the city. <laughs> um and uh, so, why didn't you produce the goods against Saint Mirren? You know, a, a depleted Saint Mirren team. It's just when you look at it through that optic, it's just you know that that's that's the the people people's decisions. And I just I just find it I find it unhelpful to see tweets that are gaining traction online. You know, which are you know getting sort of a thousand to two thousand likes, and it's mm. it's all about Mikey Johnson being you know get him out and all this sort of stuff because. I, I, I just I just find it hard. I, of course he didn't play that well last night, but I don't think the majority of the team played well last night. You know there was decision making was poor at times. Callum McGregor didn't play great. You know, and he he was he's been un- unbelievable of late. You know, I thought he was great last week at Ross County, and uh, but I, I didn't think it was the same Callum McGregor um, last night. One other thing that went through my head as I didn't sleep last night. Um, Uh, with this uh, booster thing that I got, but it was the the fact that a question was posed to Stephen Glass in the uh, post-match from Easter Road, and he was asked by the reporter if he thought that the uncertainty over the game going ahead, the fans maybe not being there or being there, and just the whole environment that we're currently playing in. If that had affected the players, and Stephen Glass said, "Well, I'm not, I'm not a player anymore, so I can't comment," but it did, it did make me think. You know, did the players all want to play last night? You know, in in, in this environment, two days before Christmas. Um, you know, I'm not suggesting that that would mean that's why we didn't win. I'm not for not for one second, but I'm just saying that maybe some of their heads were not right. You know, for that game because it's a, it's a strong possibility that some of them might not have wanted to have played in that game, like going to a club that's been riddled with a COVID yeah. outlet and, you know, they're putting themselves on the line. They might have been like, well, wait a minute, I don't want to, I don't want to play football right now when there's this, this thing's flying around everywhere and, you know, infecting everybody um, left, right and centre. So I, I just, that, that, that was the first time that I'd actually thought about that when I heard that um, post-match last night.
4: Yeah. I, th- I think Laura touched on it as well. You know, you're, Play 90 minutes of a physical contact um, sport, and there's coughing and spluttering, and you're very tight with your markers, etc. Um, mm-hmm. It is ravaged. The team, St. Mirren, had been ravaged so much so that they're playing a 16, a 17, and a 19 year old. Um, and I said last night, Jay Henderson, the 19 year old, probably was their best player. Uh, Dylan we'd had a bit of experience. Kieran Afford was making his debut, and that's all fair and well. But my biggest point when it comes to that, that stage of the game. JP, and we've seen it against uh, Levy, we've seen it against Dundee United, where we're coming up against banks of defences and we can't figure out how to break them down. We're getting told, stick to your principles, it will happen. And it did against Ross County, so you trust the process on that occasion. But when it doesn't happen, it almost did against Livy because we got the penalty, which was missed. But when it doesn't happen, that's where you start to to strip away that that process and say, well, why is it not working? And I think this might just be simple, right? But you look at the game last night in isolation and you say, well, we completely dominated possession. Before anyone else says it, I'll say it. Yes, it doesn't guarantee you goals. I know that. We managed to craft out 30 shots a goal, eighty of which were on target, which isn't good enough, really, if you look at that as a ratio. And we had eight, we had 16 corners. Now, <laughs> it would be, if, if you were sitting here and saying to Ange Postacoglu, in terms of the game plan, um, before you look at the score and you look at the possession and the corners and the shots you definitely have done enough based on those base stats to win the game. People might say, but we didn't have a clear-cut chance. But I think that, you know, and I listed five chances, five chances in the last 25 minutes of the game, JP, that Mm. had we been a wee bit more clinical, had there been a wee bit more of quality, particularly in the attacking third, then you're going to score at least one of them. And I think this is my biggest issue at the moment. I'm going to bring in a few more Mikey Johnson comments. But I just think that the drop-off in quality from your first pick to the next in line, is vast. And when you look right through the team, last night, Joe Hart, who wasn't being rested by the way, according to Ange, because he doesn't rest players, because if you want a rest, you can get it when you're 45, right? That was what he said last night, and I like that. But anybody who was missing last night was through suspension or injury, and he, can, he clarified that last night. So Joe Hart's injured, and who is your deputy? Scott Bain. Now, that's a big drop-down in quality. Um, Cameron Carter-Vickers is a must-start every single week, and I like to talk to him about him at some point during the show. But if a centre-half gets injured, you're going from, let's say, Staffel, and there's question marks around him in any case, to Welsh, a player that I like. But in terms of the quality uh, of, of Welsh, is it a drop-down from your first pick, which is Carter-Vickers? I would say it is. Mm-hmm. Left-back, I think, is a problematic area. I don't think we have a stick-out, stand-out, left-back as a first choice. Right-back, let's say Ralston at the moment has got the jersey and your your backups are Croatian international. No concerns there. But everywhere else in the park, I do have concerns. So David Turnbull's out, you bring in Beaton. Yes, he's played well this season, JP, but I don't think he can um, command a game or orchestrate a game or, or craft out a chance like Turnbull can. And he's shown that he can with his goals and his assists, uh, as much as I like Beaton. Beyond that, who are you calling upon? Because on the bench, your next option scales. And scales indeed came on from that's a big drop down in quality. Left but left wing Jota, your next in line is Mikey Johnson. Huge drop down in quality. And I think that's the issue. So when we look at January, and again we will be looking at the January transfer window, we cannot look at a situation yeah. where three players leave the club and three players come in, JP. Because I don't think we're any further forward there. We need more depth. Now Colin Watt a few months ago on the show said, We need six players. It sounds completely off the scale, um, crazy to even suggest that because you know we're not going to buy six players. But I bet, you know, if you look at the squad, we probably need six players.
0: I, I don't think it's too outlandish to say that we need to, that. I mean, I mean, look at uh, uh, Liam Shaw. Well, his name is Liam Shaw, right? I've, I've not just made that up. It was Liam Scales, Liam Shaw. Yeah, he comes into the into the reckoning last night. He's been nowhere near the first team for months, but it, it's got to the point where he's been, his hand is and supposed to call it, his hand's been forced to play uh, Liam Shaw. And, you know, Moffat coming in to start a game, start a game as big as that, you know, again, that's that's highlighting how, how thin we are um, up top. And it's no disrespect to Moffat because, I mean, Obviously, you're going to want to play in a game for for Celtic, um, but that was a lot of pressure on his shoulders last night to to come up with something. It's just like, here's your shirt, go and do something, go and make something happen. And you know, everybody I think has seen little snapshots of Moffat on being impressed, but that level was like way way down to what you know um, he was up against last night, and the pressure as well. You know, there was there was there was so much pressure involved in the game last night. Um, I think again, people probably took it a bit lightly in the fact that Saint Mirren were were so ravaged with injury and and whatnot that I think maybe people kind of thought, oh well, this is just a this is a, a sh- shooty in, you know, which is never a good, uh, never a good kind of uh, attitude to have going into a game like that. We've seen it far too many times with uh, these away games that you know just that was their cup final last night. You know, probably. More like a European Cup final for them because you saw the reaction at the end. It was it was it was taking a it was a nil nil, but it was probably felt like a victory to them, um, given what they'd gone through. So our our squad um, needs reinforcements. That's been every single time he gets interviewed, he's asked about January, and it has been in the last month or two. He's been asked, and he just keeps sort of batting it back and saying, "Yeah, we're we're, we're working behind the scenes." But the reason he's been asked that question is because everybody's seen the first eleven that's been getting put out, and they've seen the bench. You know, the, 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 we're not we're not watching this with our eyes shut. You know, we can see we can see how thin we are. So yeah. six players coming in in January is not beyond the realms of possibility. I don't think, and I just I just hope that we have been doing the work behind the scenes, and I hope to God, as Ange Postecoglou has said, also several times, that we live in a in a in a in a strange world at the moment where things can happen that affect, you know, things like transfers or getting people here from Japan or wherever in the world, you know. Um so I just hope that nothing on that front affects us. And then obviously that brings us on to um the internationals at the end of uh, the start of February and, and, and what how that might affect us. I mean that's just that's just the luck of the draw, isn't it? It's you know, um with with the the Japan-Australia game. I know. Of course course Japan are playing Australia. Why wouldn't they be, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, But, yeah.
4: It seems to always be, JP, this season. Uh, You know, it's a one step forward, two back sometimes. Uh, And Ange must feel very frustrated. I was reading this morning, we've got about 11 players injured at the moment. And Mm -hmm. some might say that, you know, you bring those players back and then we're a different beast. And I get that. But at this moment in time, I don't see a situation <laughs> this season where we don't have a treatment table as large as that because it's an ongoing issue at the moment at Celtic. And yeah, if we do have the full complemented staff, we go out there last night and we beat St Mirren comfortably. I have no, absolutely no doubts whatsoever about that. Oh. But we're not, and we're having to deal with what we've got. And the standard of the player that's the backup or sometimes the third choice is simply not good enough. You look at the bench last night, we had three fullbacks on the bench. Now, I'm not mm. saying they can't affect the game. They can. Ralston showed that the other night against Ross County. But you want to have some kind of attacking option on that bench, and we simply did not have it. Yeah. Um, thanks, everybody, for coming in with your comments on the Mikey Johnston. And it shows you the wide-ranging comments that we, we're going to get. Frosty, we need to move Mikey on. Simple as that. Uh, Robert Wallace reckons that he's not up to the task. Um, and Brian Warrior comes in to say, and I agree with this, he was the only player causing them problems in attack. I reckon in the first half, especially, he was causing them some problems. He had the beating of his man, JP. They were doubling up on him, which should then create a pocket of space. We weren't actually utilising that space because I just don't, didn't think a badder looked like an actual uh, centre forward last night. He's out of position. Um And the DJ of choice, I don't hate Mikey Johnson. I just think it's time for him to move on. There's another suggestion, and this was made last night as well, Mikey Mayher. Mikey needs to be loaned out. He's not good enough for us at present. He needs a Christie loan. Now, the at present part of that um, summation is quite interesting, JP, because I'm going to say I agree with that. And folk might say he's 22. He needs to be the, the finished article. Ralston didn't show what he what he had until he was twenty-two. McGregor didn't show what he had until he was 22. He's twenty-two, yet he's had two lengthy injuries in his short career so far. Um and I think I've said this season, this season is make or break for him. I think it definitely is. What I would take on the on point of the loan, I don't think he's going to get a loan because I don't think we've got the squad for that. You you put Mikey Johnson out on loan, we've got even less options. JP, but what I think he needs to do that Christie done is he needs to build himself up physically. I think that's a massive part that's missing in Mikey Johnson's game.
0: I mean, if he went away and played, you know, and got like a run of 20 30 games playing week in, week out, um, somewhere at a decent level, then yeah, I mean, it definitely worked for Christie. I mean, I remember when Christie was at Aberdeen, um. My friend James is a massive Aberdeen fan and would say every week he'd be like, "That's Christie, man of the match again!" Like he's outstanding. Like I, I don't want him to go back. I know he's going to go back to you guys, but I, 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 I don't want him to because he's 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 playing so well for us. And that was something when I heard that, I was just like, "Really? Like Ryan Christie? Seriously? he's, he's actually that good?" And I thought he maybe just found his level, and then he came back and he did play well for us, you know. He obviously takes a lot of pelters for this wayward shooting pattern, but I don't think he's a, 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 he's definitely not a terrible player. He's, he's a good player, um, potentially a, a better player than than Bournemouth. And that in time will tell whether or not he can get a move from there. But um, I certainly Mikey, Mikey Johnston. I, I, there's no way he's going out on loan in January. You know, I think that's wishful thinking on, on people's parts of if um, they think we're going to let a player who's started the game last night in late December go out on loan in January, you know, unless a, a miracle happens and we do get reinforcements in, in all areas of the park that we want, uh, life doesn't necessarily work like that. So um, maybe at the end of the season, I don't know what his contract situation is, like whether or not he's close to the, the edge of his, his his contract right now. I don't know. Um, somebody can maybe enlighten me on that, but um, I, I'd say it's far more likely to happen at the at the end of the season. And, you know, whether he wants to do that or not, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's got to be a bit of a player decision in that as well.
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox
1: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: Beautiful. Oh, that, that does. That does. I mean, I'm just going to check his contract while I'm having a look through some of these comments. Um, now, I'd agree that injuries are a major issue at the moment. Um, the main reason for our recent struggles, yeah, it's a massive reason for them, Kukaburra and it's something that Ange Postecoglou has touched upon as well, JP. He's talking about <laughs> the fatigue. I would go back to the Betis game. He definitely rested a few players against uh, Betis, there's no doubt about it. Unfortunately, he didn't, he, he didn't um, rest Kyogo. And I think that You know, when we get the highs, often it's, um, you know, all hail Ange. And that's fair enough. I mean, he's obviously walked into a scenario here. And we've spoken about this at length, JP. A very difficult one. He's come in on his own. No fuss. No 17-seater bus with staff on it. None of that kind of stuff. He's worked with what he's got. He's lost three major assets um, and, you know, he's probably not had as many players coming in as he would have liked. He's inherited a couple of legacy signings where the deals were already done. And Sean Urigide would have liked them at the club. I don't know. It was too late to, to change the deals. So he's walked into a scenario like that where, you know, we've gone into the second, line against, uh, the second leg rather, against Michelin and a must-win Champions League qualifier with Dane Murray making his debut at centre-half. Um, it's been difficulty after difficulty. He's uh, been enticed to Celtic by Peter Lowell. He's been unveiled to, at Celtic by Don Mackay. And now he's working under his third CEO. And he's only been here for six months. I mean, it's, it's been a bit of a, a rough ride for Ange. And I take all of that into consideration. Then you start looking at the amount of injuries that have been racking up. Uh, and I would agree it's a major issue. He's spoken about a fatigue That goes again back to the size of the squad, JP. So he's played players far more than he would have liked. That's Mm -hmm. not on Ange. That's on the board. So the squad, for me, is depleted. We've we've touched on Ryan Christie. Ange has spoken about Christie. Christie's spoken about Ange. He played them. When he came in, he played them as much as he possibly could. He's gone away down to Bournemouth and we wish him well in his career. But I tell you what, a player like Ryan Christie last night, when you're struggling down the left and the right, the, the adaptability on both wings, he would have been key in this team at the moment. So why have the board not made sure he stays? Now people say, ah, oh, but he wanted to leave. Anything's possible on football, JP. And we've actually lost him and El Yonoussi down the left. Yes, yeah. we've got in Jota and he's, he's been a revelation so far. But we're weaker down the left over the piece than we were last season. Because El Yonoussi and Christie being your two options over the piece, over the two players are stronger than Jota and Johnson, I would suggest.
0: Yeah, they definitely are. Um but you mentioned Peter Lawwell there. I actually saw him last night walking into. Was he
4: standing the, way with tickets?
0: No. That, no, no. Somebody asked him. Uh, I did. Somebody did actually say, "Any spurs, Peter?" And he just, <laughs> he just uh, he smiled and walked in the the main entrance of the of the, the stadium. So. Uh, the, the, the
4: club suit and tie and all that one, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. so. He's 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 not gone away.
4: What do you think his role is at the moment? His real, his real influence at Celtic. I mean, I'm just throwing this out there, JP. We don't have I mean, inside information.
0: He's obviously a fan. You know, I mean, he's, there's there's no denying that he's a fan. What what he contributes to the club at this moment in time. Many people have speculated that he's he's never really gone away. At, um, and obviously, seen him at an away game on a Wednesday night. Um, could mean one of two things that he just fancied going to the game like me knowing that we were not going to be potentially at a game for a while um, or you know he's, he's, he's sort of more involved in the in, in things than we you know care to believe or know um, but yeah I mean just um, talking about, about the players that left you know I, I was comfortable with everybody that left because ultimately we'd heard so much about these guys that wanted to leave for a number of months, maybe over a year, um, so anybody that, that that left the building, um, I, I was I was okay with. Although it was obviously frustrating because, like you say, Christy, and well, I think I just I saw highlights of that no, you know that no look pass that Christy put in for Kyogo Furuhashi. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, things like that, you know, it, Tremendous. Christy was doing really well under under Postacoglu in that short space of time, and it kind of harks back to the whole Dembele and Edward up front together, you know that. We got we got that brief brief glimpse at what that might have been like, um, and then and then he was away, and Dembele was away, so um, we never got to see it over a over a, over the course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 optimistic about who we can who we can bring in. It was all rushed in the summer. The board, I think, as much as everybody's been critical of them, and rightly so for other things, um, they did provide <laughs> these guys. That are that we are all hailing as heroes, like Jota and Kyogo and Carter Vickers, Joe Hart. All these guys came in, and um, so they have to be commended for that. And it was in a, a very very short space of time that they got these guys in. So we've had a, a decent amount of time, four or five months now, to to explore. <coughs> excuse me, what Ange Postecoglou wants, um, and you know the the. More feel them if they if they're if they're not playing ball with him and you know I know he made made mention of people drag not dragging their heels but you know mm. maybe I have to sort of say to them by the way <laughs> this is taking too long you know I need these guys in quicker than this so hopefully they've learned the lessons on that as well and and we do get them in and they integrate into the squad um, you know early in January um, I believe we're not going on any trip now which is. <laughs> a mighty relief after last year. I mean, I mean... I thought
4: you were going to call it a jolly there.
0: Uh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I, I do genuinely believe that it was supposed to be a training trip and I'll never not believe that. I know many people disagree with that and the pictures of me, you know, winning and Scott Brown with the pints and the and the sun loungers obviously fly in the face of that a little bit. But I can't believe that a club like Celtic would be as reckless as to just go on like a lads, lads, lads holiday you know, at that time, unless it was also predominantly a training trip that they felt was going to benefit the team going into that second half of the season. What happened after that was obviously a disaster. So like going to Portugal or wherever it was they had planned, um, again, would the players want to go to Portugal at this particular point in time, you know, um, with, with with the restrictions and, and, and everything else? You know, it, it, it's again something that they they have to be mindful of and I'm glad that hopefully they just go to see Mel Hydro or something like that, you know? <laughs> like, Imagine that. Yeah.
4: On the, the Bowling Green. Absolutely. <laughs> old Talk it, talking old school, um, we, th- this is the last bulletin before Christmas. So tomorrow when you tune in at 1230, it won't be the typical bulletin with two or the, the team chatting about the world in Celtic. Um, but at 12.30, there will be content. So get on the on the, the channel, and it's going to be more nostalgic. JP, we've been working on some pre-recorded content that we can put oh, out on no. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So mm-hmm. if you want nostalgia and you want to see things like Seamil Hydro in Strathclyde Park for pre-season training, tune in at 12.30 on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day because we've got it all to show you. And by the way, it's been pretty good Uh, digging out the archives to put this together. So I hope you enjoy it. Brown Warrior, uh, a very regular contributor to the channel. So thanks for your support. Christie wanted away last summer, as did Ayer and Edward. I have no doubt they were three of the the players who wanted away, the want away stars. The the big thing about last last summer and the season that um, then ensued, I guess, is that Ayer basically got down to business last season. And I don't think his performances were affected by the fact that he wanted away. Edward, I know he scored quite a few goals, but I think his performances were affected. <clears throat> Christie, I think his performances were affected as well. But what yeah. I would say, and this is coming on to the follow-up uh, comment that Brown, Brown Warriors has made, once a player wants away, you need to get rid ASAP. Generally speaking, I agree with that. However, I think there are occasions where a player has just about been out the door and a new manager's come in and revitalised them. And turned them yeah. around, and I think Andy's done that with a couple of players himself. Yeah. You know, the obvious ones being Ralston, Beaton, and Tommy Rogic. But I think in in the past, E. Forrest was almost on his way out. Revitalised under a new manager, Scott Brown's been in that boat as well. So in you know in general, I get what you're saying there, but I think there are players. I think Christie might have been that player, uh, or am I just pining for him because he's a guy that we could really utilise right now? You spoke about some of the the excellent signings, and when you when you script them like that, Carter, Vickers, Hart, Jota, Kewo, they're four brilliant signings, JP. Now, if we can do that kind of business again in January, then we'll be buzzing. I think the next tier of signing is probably Abada and Juranovic, maybe Staffel. Would you put them maybe into a category just below the, the four and then everybody else below that, your James McCarthy's, et cetera, et cetera. But if we can go out and get the kind of quality in the top four that you've mentioned there, then I think you're going to see a completely different beast. It sounds as though the business is getting done early. Are you confident that we can get the bodies in, JP?
0: Yeah, I'm confident that, you know, providing that we don't uh, hit any bumps in the road with regards to <clears throat> COVID and all the rest of it you know like that that's obviously it's a changing day by day you know so you just you what might be set in stone right now might not be set in stone you know families are involved and things like that you know it's it's not everybody that can just drop things and and fly to the other side of the the world you know to go and play football um I know celtics the most one of the most important things to us in our lives but right now for any potential new signing it's not probably the most important thing in their life and i respect that and understand that because you know it's a it's a there's a lot lots going on at the moment but yeah I'd, I'd like to think like i said that we've, we've we've had this time to identify and court and sweet talk if you want to call it that players into coming to <clears throat> to Scotland in January, <clears throat> which is, and a friend uh, messaged me yesterday and said, Oh, I'm thinking about coming up to do some hill walking at the start of January. And I was just like, Really? <laughs> you, you, you're going to come up uh, to Scotland? But like, he's from way down south of England. And I just think, you know, if you're going to do some hill walking, the visibility not going to be that great. So, I uh, might want to consider that. And he was like, Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Never thought of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, coming to Scotland in January, it will certainly be a <laughs> it will certainly be a shock to the system for anybody coming from more uh, sunnier or tropical climates, um, you know, because t- t- at least Kyogo and uh, Joe, Hart, I mean Joe Hart and Cameron Cameron Carter-Vickers, I'm sure are well aware of uh, UK weather. But Jota and Kyogo coming from Portugal and Japan uh, in the summer, at least, arrived here when things looked okay. You know, there was sun in the sky. Definitely not sun in the sky today, uh, and probably won't be for for a while yet. So um, yeah, I, I hope I hope that we've got people identified and that they come we come in on the same level um, and push you know push the people that are here and you know are potentially guys that just pick up a jersey straight away. I mean that doesn't always happen like that, um, but. You know, we'll, we'll,
4: we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think we're counting on that. We're counting on these players coming in and being able to adapt to the climate, to the game, the pace of the game, a brand new environment, the culture of the country and also give us a performance straight away. Mm. Uh, we do expect that. We're very demanding as football fans, JP. You know, But Mikey Johnson, going back, <laughs> the final point on Mikey is that how I didn't realise this, but he's actually under contract at Celtic until May the 31st, 2025. So, wow. Um, he will be here for a while. Uh, you know. There, there's no way that we're going to um, let him leave, especially when you look at the lack of options that we have on the left-hand side. Um, now, we've spoken through some of the performance, performances rather last night, uh, the good, the bad and ugly, but one player I want to, to point out, again, uh, solid at the back is Cameron Carter-Vickers. My biggest concern, though, JP, is we don't have someone of a similar kind of level as him playing alongside him, if we did, then it would be a daunting prospect for any forward line in Scottish football. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that you know when you're looking at the amount of centre halves we have, the board might look at the situation and say we're well enough covered. I don't believe we are.
0: No, definitely not. I mean, I, I would I would say I don't know. I don't maybe expect us to go out and splash you know millions of pounds on somebody um, a centre half. Um, I don't really know if there's a market where by we have got a, an identified a centre half that you know is going to cost between five and ten million quid. But um, I'd like to think that we could identify somebody that's maybe not getting a game somewhere that you know because look at Carter Vickers, he wasn't getting a game um, where where he came from. Neither was Joe Hart. Um, so you know potentially, I know it's a bit sort of loose, but potentially. One of the two of them could have identified somebody and said, "Well, by the way, there's a guy down south that we know of." Um Obviously, you'd like to think that Celtic scouting network is is, is covering those bases, but seeing as we don't know really who's doing what at Celtic right now, and it just does seem to be Ange Glue and the and the coaches that he's inherited. We don't know who's the head of recruitment. We don't know who's doing that job. So. Uh, maybe uh, we'd have to come to rely on... You know, like, remember Man United were like that to Alex Ferguson or we should sign Ronaldo, you know, a you know, like in his head to sign Ronaldo on the way back from a friendly against Sporting Lisbon, I think it was. Um, so maybe there's somebody that they they I could identify down south that, that Carter Vickers knows or that Joe Hart knows. Um, but yeah, I think we definitely... Definitely need to bring in another another centre half to see us through to the end of the season. If it's just a loan, fine. If it's a signing, great. But um, I I don't, you know, the drop, like you say, the drop off in quality is too much um, to bear at times. And (coughs) Starfelt has, I don't think he's played terribly, but he has these moments in games that that just create create this this huge. sort of uh doubt around him and like question marks just fly around his head when you know he does something like you know let the ball bounce or loses a, loses a man at a corner or whatever um but I think I don't know I don't, I don't think he's been as bad as he's made out to be and I think it's again one of those ones where people make a decision about somebody and then they, they, they rigidly stick to it and just you know they make the decision about someone and and they dig their heels in and, and that's it. You know, they don't they don't allow that person to to shift their mindset, you know, if if they have a good game. Um, it's kinda like they would begrudgingly kinda say they probably wouldn't even admit it, they just sort of like move on to the player next to them or whatever. But, you know, I think I think for the for the the way that our squad is right now, you know, we lose Carter Vickers, then, you know, it's one of those moments like when Joe Hart goes down in that home game. Uh, I think it was against Aberdeen um, right at the start and the whole stadium you could just feel everybody in the stadium going oh no this is not good like we lose Joe Hart we're losing we're not just losing a goalkeeper we're losing influence and experience and everything else it's the intangibles that people speak about you know when they argue against the the stats guys and you know the, the things that, that you can't really you know mark up or or, or mark down you know, as, as things that Joe Hart brings to the team, and I think Car- Carter Vickers has started to bring a level of uh, calm and steel at the back. You know, I thought I said to the guy next to me on Sunday, it kind of reminds me a bit of Paul McGrath. You know, he's got that kind of, you know, just no messing. You know, looks like a <coughs> looks like a centre half from the nineties or something like that. You know, just like
2: Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details.
0: You know, I kind of have a throwback almost. Um, Even with the body shape. Because it
4: it doesn't look as though he's the most athletic, you know, but with the ball at his feet, he's so comfortable, JP, but he does Mm. everything at a a pace uh, where it doesn't look as if he's ever rushed. He's always got time on the ball. Mm. So I get what you mean with with the Paul McGrath comparison. And obviously with a short outside his so, uh, shorts as well, so mm-hmm. I'm all for any kind of Paul McGrath-style player because mm-hmm. you know he was one of the players I always wanted to see in the hoops. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been a statement just released from Celtic, and as always, the commenters are uh, first to release that when we're on the bulletin. Michael Nicholson has been appointed CEO statement just released. Thank you, Stephen Cairns. And I'm looking at that statement on the Celtic website as we speak as well. So there we go. He's now working under CEO number three. It was an appointment from within. My concern isn't around about him per se. There's there's nothing, there's no reason whatsoever for me to have a concern about that individual. I can't Mm. pinpoint any, any reasons why, I don't think that's a good idea on an individual basis, JP. I think my concern comes into play that it's clear that Celtic at boardroom level needs to change. They need far more uh, forward thinking individuals in that boardroom. Individuals who can engage with the fan base, who have something in common with the fan base. (laughs) At the moment, the boardroom doesn't have that. Um, and when someone from within is promoted to that position, it would suggest that they're already living the culture that is already set at the club. That's my concern. So it's nothing yeah. individually against Michael Nicholson specifically. It's about the fact that it's same old, same old. There's someone, yeah. move them into that position, we continue as normal with the same viewpoint on the fans, the same viewpoint on our European aspirations. You know, I, I just don't think that that kind of appointment. Is what we need to move forward as a club.
0: No, nah, I mean I. I think his uh, his silence and the the club's sort of silence really. And then when did when they have spoken? Like at the AGM, um, I, I wasn't really bowled over by some of the things that were said. You know, that's what we like to hear about the the season ticket holders and renewing regardless and all that, and the way that they dealt with the Bernard Higgins. Um, chat where they, they they didn't sort of really commit either way. They just sort of gave like a vague response that, that continued the question marks over that appointment. Um <clears throat> and just I, I you know I don't want to sort of go on about Dominic Mackay or anything like that. I mean certainly they don't go on about Dominic Mackay. It's like he doesn't he never existed. Um but he he seemed to be somebody that really wanted to engage with the support and The media and had ideas, and you know, I I heard ideas that he had for things within the within the club that you know sounded quite progressive as well. And it, it, you know, suddenly we had this guy, albeit you know from a rugby background, but you know, by all means, a Celtic fan, and you know, he just had a a sort of level of engagement that had been missing. And then they appoint a guy temporarily who has been more or less silent other than that really awkward staged sort of um, interview where there was the three of them, was it the, the the video that was released before the AGM, is that is that right? Am I, am I getting that wrong? There was a video that was released of three guys speaking and Michael Nicholson was there and he was referred to as, oh, we brought Michael in and mm-hmm. Dominic McKay was ignored. And, yeah, as
4: if as if he's been airbrushed out the history books.
0: Yeah, yeah, and but but even then, when I saw Michael Nicholson there, may, maybe that will change now that he's been made permanent. Um, maybe maybe we'll get a sort of uh, state of the nation address from him. I'm not holding my breath because I would have thought that would have come before now. Um, you know, I just think that, that there's been a, there's been such a lack of um, engagement from the club. Um, the, the, we've spoken about it before. They've allowed Ange Postacoglu to 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 really be the face of the club, and they've been quite happy for that to happen because they they can see how much the fan base you know um, identifies with them and appreciates them, um, and they've been they've been happy for that to happen, and it's it's kept the heat off them. But you know, if they don't get their uh, if they Don't get their, their work done in January, then they'll, they'll definitely be they will be heat on them, you know. Whether whether we love Ange Postacoglu or not, they'll be heat on, on, on the board.
4: See, the thing there's there's two trains of thought here. Uh, one of them, which Kev Graham says from time to time, he would rather not hear that much from the CEO because if you don't hear from your CEO, it <laughs> be, there's a lot of things going well on the football park and you're not too concerned with the boardroom issues. But I think as Celtic fans, we have um a history of people at the forefront of the boardroom, like Fergus McCann, like Peter Lovell, um, love or loathe either of them. I don't know if anybody still has an issue with Fergus. Uh, I don't know how they could possibly have an issue with Fergus. But I know that the way that Peter Lovell left, a lot of people criticised them. But we've always had that focal point, that figurehead. JP, we don't have it anymore. I mean, I look at that boardroom, and again, I'm going to reiterate this. This is not an attack on Michael Nicholson. I just feel that it's very much um, continued to fade with the Celtic boardroom. It's like there's somebody else who lives and breathes our culture. They're not going to cause us too much problems. They're not going to go out and sign Juranovic when we don't want him Tell those terms, and he's not going to cause us any problems. You know what I mean? So in many ways, I just feel it's like the nodding dog scenario. Everybody's just agreeing with everybody else, patting everybody on the back, where what we need in there is somebody to say, well, actually, maybe we're not doing things that well. Uh, And I think that, and again, I'm not revising this, but, you know, we know that Don McKay wanted a fresh approach on a number of things. Perhaps behind the scenes, he was doing a lot of things that weren't so great. We don't know. We're not party to that kind of information. JP, But we've heard quite a lot in terms of what he wanted to do at and with the stadium that you look Mm -hmm. at and think, well, that that would have been great to create that kind of revenue, um, added, additional revenue that we've never created or we've never created it for a long time at the club. So you think, well, was he too radical in many ways for the the current incumbents of the Celtic board? Potentially. This will go, I think, without too much drama. The fact that uh, Michael Nicholson's been made permanent. I think it's what we all expected anyway. Um we've gone through that issue with, with Bernard Higgins. And uh, I suggested a couple of weeks back that there's probably some contractual situation where, you know, really would Celtic come out and name somebody? I think they would be on shaky ground to do that and say, we're not going to appoint him, particularly mm-hmm. if there was an agreement um, that he would be coming in. So obviously the onus is then on the other party to make that clear, which he has done through through the press. But again, no engagement whatsoever from the club, so nothing has has changed in that in that regard with regards to the the engagement, uh, and I think that is something that's going to rear its ugly head again. As post Coglu is the the Celtic board winning the proverbial watch, if you ask me. Like you see, he's taking all the bullets for them. He's standing out there in all the press conferences, taking on every question that's thrown his way, and loads of them right back at uh, the person asking them the questions. And he's not he's no one's mug. But that only works if you're getting results, JP, mm-hmm. uh, because there's no real... You've you seen it last week, the Ferrari over us winning the Cup, followed by the disappointment of last night. So if, indeed, we continue as we are with a threadbare squad and we don't reinforce in January, then it's going to be very interesting because I think that uh, fans and fans will <laughs> ramp up the pressure on the current board, Nicholson or not. You know, Because as seen as a, as a whole, I don't see a focal point or a figurehead in that, that boardroom. I don't think there's anybody in that boardroom that you wouldn't have any kind of confidence of standing up against and, and debating with in terms of Celtic and the future of the club. I think you'd have a task to do that with Peter Lowell. I think you'd have a task to do it with Fergus McCann. But there's nobody in that boardroom that you would be fearful of in any way, shape or form if discussing the future of this club, JP is a
0: No, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think it, there's always been like a kind of Intimidating presence about the people in charge. You know, the, as much as we can criticize Peter Law, you do feel like he was the type of guy that you know threw his weight around and, and, and got to a level within you know um, European um, football as well, where he was he took up a position there and I don't know. You just always felt that he would he would fly the flag, whether he got too involved in everything to to. You know, with regards to Celtic in the latter couple of years, it was there, and um, that's probably something we might not ever find out. I mean, we can speculate, but you know, power and uh responsibility can you know become quite um insatiable um to, to have, and and maybe that was what happened there. But like you say, you know, Fer- nobody, would, nobody would muck about Fergus McCann. Um, and, and, you know, he wouldn't suffer fools. We've heard that from Jim Orr when Jim speaks about Fergus. It's, it blows my mind to think that, you know, he, he was involved with that, you know, and uh, I met a guy in the street actually and and, and um, we were talking about Jim Orr and, and just saying, you know, he was right in the eye of that that storm um, at that time and played a huge part of, 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 of everything that went on back then. So it's quite mad to think that he you know, um, knew this, you know, her- heroic figure in our history and um, Vegas McCann, you know, I'll, I'll, I've said it before, but I'll never, ever get over the fact that he was booed when we, ra- we raised the league flag in uh, in 98. That was uh, one of the most baffling moments of my, my first season as a season ticket holder and sort of you, my first league game and, uh, and th- there's people around about booing, like quite a number of people as well you know and you're just like wow you know this guy is is done <laughs> really well by us and history will show that I didn't know that at that point I didn't know it was coming I didn't know John Barnes was coming or Martin O'Neill was coming or Gordon Strachan or you know I didn't know what success w- was laid ahead of us but without Fergus McCann we don't have that infrastructure to be able to entice the manager like Martin O'Neill or entice players um, of the level that we did so
4: listen the, the domination is is for me It's still could be considered Ferguson's legacy the domination for nine years JP yeah. the the four trebles and I'm not taking away from the people who were at the club doing the work but this is a legacy because without that man we wouldn't have a club it's that yeah. simple we're eight minutes away uh, from going out of uh, circulation so um, I think that there was a an issue with uh, Peter Lowell because I think the, the the profile can get to such a level mm-hmm. that it intoxicates the ego, and mm-hmm. and often that can be very dangerous, particularly when you know it should be the club constantly benefiting rather than uh, the the CEO being a larger. Figure than many of the players that are at the club. That should never happen. You know, mm. he, he's he's more well known than many of the figures at the club. That should never be the case. So mm. I think there's a balance in that. From what Kevin Graham says, you want it to be behind the scenes, absolutely, but they still need to be a very strong figurehead who is able to stand up for the club first and mm. foremost, but have the forward-thinking vision to take the club forward. Mm. Um, have we got that? I don't think so. Um, are we more concerned with the team at this moment in time and what we do in January? hundred um, percent. So we will continue to speak about it, JP. I'm going to have to thank you. I thank you every week for for joining us on the show. You're an important part of the team, but you've done it um when you're not 100 match fit. Sure. You, you've came in here like James McCarthy, probably 69, and uh. you've done it, and you've done it. You've done an hour, and you've done so so well. This is the last bulletin before Christmas, as I said. We've spoken about some faces that you might see tomorrow on the the Axon channel, Terry Cassidy being one of them. So tune in at 12.30 tomorrow if you haven't done so already because it will only be on YouTube. Get onto the YouTube channel and subscribe. It's free and we put out daily content. Uh, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy the nostalgia leading up to the Christmas festive period. I was out and about yesterday, JP, meeting quite a few people who actually watch A Celtic State of Mind and I was dropping off some frames and and auction items, etc., um and i came away with gifts that shows you how good our support is for axon people were giving me gifts as That's i good. as i left their, their place so i was all over uh, the high points say glasgow and the surrounding areas and i enjoyed every moment of that everybody who's tuned in this year thanks you know thanks everybody for your support jp and i don't just say that you come through the studio you know how much it means to us um we have set up a, a fundraiser for saint mary's The total raised, I say total uh, over that piece, you know, the charity weekender and the charity auction was £28,000. But what we've decided to do um, is to keep it open. So throughout the year, JP, that link will always be there. And if anybody wishes to donate, it's going to be under every single video we put out this year. And, And the donations are still coming in, by the way. And as soon as they come in, we're transferring them over to St Mary's. Um, if they require very specific funds during the year, there may be certain points during that year, JP, that we say, right, let's do a charity drive for them. They need X, Y, or Z. But at the moment, I can safely say that the Celtic supporters who got behind that fundraiser have made an incredible, incredible difference to St. Mary's moving forward. So
0: thank you all for yeah. that. We can do a football match.
4: We should, actually. Yeah, yeah. you can get... You can get your old uh, Celtic jersey back on that you wore at Celtic Park. Uh, I would need, need to get back on the treadmill, personally. But, you know, when you get to the wrong side of 40, these things aren't as uh, simple and natural as they used to be, JT. Um You, you think you, you know what you want to do with the ball, but then executing it is the issue. It looks great in your mind, but then you try and do it. But, yeah, why not? Let's get a wee game together. We could do a... a a fundraising game. I think that would be tremendous. Uh, any other suggestions? Get involved. It's not just Axon, By the way, thanks everybody for uh, congratulating us on that. What we are simply doing is providing a platform for people to donate, and we're pushing that. You know, we're pushing the message. But it's the donations for the Celtic fans. JFP. It's the amount of time that's been given by the people who contributed and other podcasts who contributed and people who sent us items for auction. And if you're wondering why these ones are still here, that's because someone within Uh, a state of mind actually won these auctions so there are no fake prizes or anything like that Um, the donations were made and they've been paid over Uh, so it's been a great year and to you know when we're looking at building the channel jp it's been fantastic we had a great wee trip into london We, we won some accolades and brought them up for the axon team which is the the viewers as well as everybody that contributes and we're looking forward to 2022 Uh, thanks every single one of you for getting involved as I say remember to subscribe on YouTube uh, for more free content and all that's left for me to say is go away and have a wee hot toddy JP thanks for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind Cheers Paul